sometimes it'll be like, oh, here's like the clickbaity title for the article, but then you go into it and, and it tells you all, all of like only the benefits and not exactly how to use it. So I, I've seen that happen where I, I went to went through an article for this API. I think it was like a blockchain API and I'm, I'm reading through, I'm like, okay, how do I call this function? Like, is, is this actually code or is it just like, here's the architectural kind of philosophy behind it. And I just read through the whole thing. It's like, Welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing, relations, evangelism, and advocacy. I'm Stathis Jorakopoulos, and I'm your host. In each episode, I welcome a guest from the developer marketing world. We talk about best practices, challenges, lessons learned, and share insights, data, and experiences to help you boost your devrel game, talk to, and engage with developers. This podcast is brought to you by Slash Data, the leading analyst of the developer economy, and devrelx.com, a hub devoted to providing resources for developer marketing professionals, including developer ecosystem trends, news and job openings, webinars, a book, and a bi-weekly digest you can subscribe to. Access them all at devrelx.com. Hello, and welcome to season four of Under the Hood of Developer Marketing. I'm very excited for our new season and all the amazing people who will be hosting and listening together to their stories, tips, and tricks. Before we start, I've got two pieces of news, and then I will welcome today's guest. The first one is that the State of the Developer Nation is now available for you to download. 19,000 developers from more than 160 countries share their views in six key topics, and you can grab your free copy at the link in the description or at devrelex.com resources. And uh, most importantly, three down, one to go. The fourth and final episode of the Future Developer Summit will be coming to you online on December 8th. And we will be looking at how developer and developer relations have evolved and what the future holds for us. You can grab your free community pass at futuredeveloper.io. Now, uh, let's all welcome today's guest, Rafael Moon, who is a content expert and author at Content Lab.io. And I will also take this opportunity to give a huge shout out to Content Lab for being our partner for a very long time and supporting the Future Developer Summit. With that said, Raphael, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is this is very exciting. It's great to have you and I'm very excited too. So let's get to know you first. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? As a kid, I actually taught myself how to program and I wanted to make games. That was my big thing. I wanted to build different universes that weren't limited by any rules of the universe, of like our physical universe. And so it was kind of the only engineering field where your imagination was the, was the limit. You can, you can build and set whatever rules you want. You don't have to have like, you can have gravity in all different directions and you can go in and out of different rooms. And, and so I figured this is so interesting to me because then we can, as people, experience something that doesn't necessarily exist in our, our physical world. And so that's, that's kind of how I got started, even though the, the first game I made was like tic-tac-toe. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tic-tac-toe is a pretty straightforward game. Not much, you know, universe changes there, but I'd really like to play, you know, if you have a full game with all the imagination and list. And games is definitely a great way to start uh, programming. Yeah. Oh yeah, when I when I was in college, I made a game called Power Monkey. Actually, that was that, that was all based on like the sock monkey that came to life. And so like that was the kind of stuff that you could do in in coding that I thought was fascinating, bring imagination to life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, usually we do tend to forget that 
you know, coding and programming can be immensely creative that we usually, you know, focus on syntax errors and everything. Then walk us through your uh, journey. You know, how did the, you know, young kid who started building his own tic-tac-toe and sock monkey going alive, you know, how was your journey up to your current role? Oh, yeah. So see, I, I started, I, I got this book called, it was like programming in C or something. It was like a, like, 300 page book as a kid that was like like sixth sixth grade or something and I was following through and every page is highlighted and then since then I went to college and graduated with a degree in computer science and then joined uh, Microsoft on the Xbox team right outside of school and then afterwards I wanted to kind of understand what business was like outside of just like being a software engineer just being a developer all the time. And so I, I did a bunch of different, I worked with a bunch of different startups, helped launch different apps and games. One of them went was like the number one app on the app store back in like 2013. And then eventually kind of went all the way around and, and then got to join Content Lab as a as one of the authors. And so that's that's what I've been doing for the last two years. I was just kind of coding on the side and everything. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great journey. And uh also, congratulations for making it to the first place. If you do want to share, then you know the name of the app or the specifics. Feel free to do so. We don't oh, yeah. mind a bit of self promo here in this podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah the the app was called Hatch. I don't know how big it is now, but it it's just like this virtual pet experience on on the App Store, and there's even like like stickers for it on the Facebook Messenger, and so yeah. And right now I, I write articles for Content Lab and then I stream also on the side on live coding on Twitch. And so you can find me as, as InstaFluff. Sometimes people call me InstaFluff and then I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's your name. Good. That's the name yeah. you pick for yourself now in the virtual world. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good name too. Okay, so it's great to listen about your journey and today we'll be talking about content. But before that, let's talk a bit about data. Can you please pick a graph from devrelx.com slash trends and tell us why and what stands out for you? Sure. Let's see. The, the one that I think is interesting is there's one that says developer team leads are calling the shots. And I thought that was really interesting. Like mm-hmm. in here, one of the one of the biggest things that you can see is that the developer team lead makes the recommendations or influences that decision makers sixty four percent of the time, and that's a big deal. I, I actually experienced that when I was um, doing my my own startup. So I, I ran Let Me Know for about four years, and what we did was we built a mobile security app that was geared towards the average employee, where they might not know about mobile security or cybersecurity practices but they could use the app to understand kind of like how to manage it and, and make sure that all the apps installed are secure. And so when I was talking to a bunch of folks um, about the app and trying to find the decision makers, I, I noticed like I, I was always trying to find like the CTOs and, and, and everything, but then very quickly realized that the, the team leads on, on specific teams or, uh, that own like different components of something or like the IT department, they actually have a really big part in, in just figuring out what technologies get used or integrated as part of the the, the workflow, the, the process, and the product development. And so this to me to really makes sense because to me that I, I relate to that a lot. Like I was at first very, very much just looking to see like, hey, how can I meet with your CTO? Um, or can I, can I meet with one of the managers? 
or can I meet with like a product manager? But really like the, the, the team leads do have kind of like the, the biggest say, I think. And, and I noticed that even just going through a bunch of different startups. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, from our side, you know, it's always uh, awesome to see our data being verified of some sort from actual experience from people who've been there. And uh, yes, lately there has been a lot, at least we're getting a lot of questions about, you know, who makes the decisions within a team, within the company, within the, uh, you know, a department. And yeah, team leads, um, I guess, deserve much more credit that they're given and everyone, just like you said, uh, may want to go to the CTO or manager, but you know, make sure you notice the team leads there too. And yeah, I will I also want to add, ah, yeah, please, please go yeah. ahead. I was just thinking, just kind of remembering like, like there are a lot of apps end up doing the same thing too, where they're influenced by the, like by grassroots. Slack you see in, for instance, that was kind of the, like every developer was very used to it. And they're like, oh, this Slack thing is really interesting. Like we can create chat rooms and really start increasing our productivity and that wasn't like a top-down decision. Everyone just started using it. And then it, it kind of changed that the workplace where everyone said, hey, like maybe this is something that we should use on a daily basis. And so uh, I, I think this is this, there's a lot to this. Yeah, and uh, Slack is a, a pretty straight example, you know, about this, as you said, grassroots uh, thing. And don't forget that many times top-down decisions especially about everyday tools you know aren't always appreciated uh, greatly from those who really work with them oh definitely i feel that sometimes yeah i'm sure we've all been there just one more final thing uh, on this topic and then we'll talk content we for the future developer summit one of our previous episodes actually addressed this topic there's much detailed presentation there about who influences decisions you know buying decisions obviously so uh, if you want to find out more about the topic that rafael picked us for us today please go to futuredeveloper.io and you can access it it's free now, Raphael, I'm a content guy, first of all, right? Um, yeah. I love content too, so it's I'm very excited for getting a chance to speak. I've worked both in uh, consumer or you know, and more technical content. Um, but today, what we will be talking about is uh, focused on a developer audience, right? So it's a technical audience by default. Mm-hmm. So, are do you think that this audience's contact expectations are different from that of a non-technical audience, and how? Oh, definitely. Like if, you, if you're developing for um, kind of a developer audience, I think the content needs to be a lot more technical. It needs to be very straightforward in terms of what, what it benefits them. Like it's not just about like, here's how to do things or here's the FAQ or here's like step one, step two, step three, but really getting them to realize like, oh, like this can change my workflow or this can save me an hour a day or five hours a day or or this can make sure that all of my my bugs and, and regressions and stuff that I run into all the time, I don't have to worry about. And this is why I should do unit testing. And so I, I think the, the audience is very different. I, I think we see that also in the orgs and we see that at Content Lab too. The the content that we create for as like best practices are definitely meant for like leads or someone that's not necessarily like deep diving into the code and, and, and writing code every day, or as opposed to some of the content that's um, geared towards like, here's how to integrate the cloud or add Kubernetes into your workflow uh, or DevOps tools. That's 
much more for the developer where they see the value in that tool. And I, I think that actually relates exactly back to that, that trend graph too, because when the, the developers and the team leads really understand like, oh, this is what this value brings me, then they can bring it up to, up to their lead, the, the, the leadership or the CTO and be like, hey, we, we could really benefit from this tool. Can you take a look at this? Can you do a cost benefit analysis and see if you can, we can actually afford it? Can we integrate it into our workflow? And, and so, yeah, the, the content definitely needs to be different. I see a lot, of, a lot of mistakes sometimes too in how people or like how even companies develop content for it. They, they make it very dry. They're just like, oh, here's like the bullet points of how to integrate API, API XYZ. And really that doesn't draw in a lot of an audience, like that technical audience, as much as like they need to understand the value in that API first. Yeah, this is actually brings me to my next question. But first, I really like how you bring together, you know, the, the graph, the data we uh, discussed earlier, you know, with this, the content that the, a technical audience wants to, you know, have access to. So uh, my next question is that you kind of cue me in, why does the typical content marketing fall flat uh, with this technical audience? And by typical, you know, I put the word in air quotes, and I mean, uh, for example, a more uh, consumer-focused approach, right, for, no, yep. for a non-technical audience. Yeah, especially if you're like a platform company, the the folks that you're trying to reach are, are very much more like developers or engineers or or folks that that understand technical stuff or, or like understand how to really get get nitty gritty with all of the code. And so sometimes the content can come across as maybe even almost insulting where it's like, oh, like check it out, like I ran and this is so cool and you can do this with it. And it's like, well. How do I how do I use that API? Does it like is it simple? Is it going to take me like five months to figure out how to integrate it? I, I think those are kind of kind of things that are the the very top questions that don't necessarily get addressed in some of the content, um, or sometimes they might even just be missing that from from their website or from their content itself. And so sometimes it'll be like, oh, here's like the clickbaity title for the article. But then you go into it and it tells you all, all of like only the benefits and not exactly how to use it. So I've seen that happen where I, I went to went through an article for this API. I think it was like a blockchain API. And I'm, I'm reading through. I'm like, okay, how do I call this function? Like, is, is this actually code or is it just like, like, here's the architectural kind of philosophy behind it. And I just read through the whole thing. It's like, I just read 10 pages of this article just telling me in these wishy-washy words what it's like what the idea of it is about about like like blockchain service meshes or something and and yet I have no idea how to use it and so the content and and developing content that that kind of relates or at least that developers can relate to I I think can be difficult at times but when you get it right they it, it's it hits home and so, yeah, if you can avoid just like having it be too dry or just like not like or miss the point, that's that's where it falls flat, I think, for me. Yeah. And and let's not forget, everyone hates clickbait uh, content that doesn't really uh, say anything, let alone when you, you know, get your hopes up about solving a problem, but uh, getting 
uh, only getting like, uh, let's not do this or here. Wish there was a way you could do that, but not the actual way or the guide, you know, to to do it and integrate it into your um, everyday life and solve your problems. Yeah, I think that that's, I guess that's kind of why like Stack Overflow has become very valuable for a lot of people because it doesn't make you go through like five different clicks to find what you need or or make you go through like different pages of stuff just to see like, oh, here's part of the information that you're going to need and then that you have to go into another page. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, that's true. That's true. That's exactly true. You uh, mentioned clickbait which actually it's a thing that takes everyone off. So I'll just put it in the top of the list. But what else takes developers off, you know, when it comes to content? Oh, developers can be finicky sometimes. Like if you have API docs, for instance, that are outdated, I, I think that's the, the one of the biggest examples I can think of is AngularJS, where Angular used to be kind of like the, the big like framework, UI framework that everyone used. And so we had like the mean stack, it was like Mongo, like Express, Angular, and Node. But on that, like the, they've changed the versioning from like normal versioning with 1.1 and then two, and it started to like, what was like Angular 13 or something, or I don't exactly remember, or like they like repeated the numbers. And so whenever you're searching for documents or documentation on how to use Angular in the latest version, everything was either wrong or it was like the older version or the new version and people got really confused. And I think that was a big deal. It was almost like, like that was the reason why everyone switched over to like React or Vue.js. And so definitely like, like those kind of things can tick people off or for, for developers um, or when it's very, very like too high level or it's not necessarily about developers. It almost comes across as like, oh, this is like how you're going to make a bunch of money and, and like change how you can bring in your, convert your leads into actual sales. And when it's marketed as a developer content, but it's all just like business talk, I, I think that also can be, can take developers off sometimes where they're like, oh, I thought this was like a developer talk or developer articles and content, but then it turned out not to be. And so maybe at the end of the day, it's just about not wasting developer time. I, I feel like a lot of developers feel very conscious about like how, how much time they, they spend on, on trying to figure out what they need. And so that could be part of it. Yeah, you know, trying to find, for example, some technical answers and uh, ending up with business talk is, sounds really terrible and uh, don't get me started on, you know, full marketing and promotion talk disguised oh, yeah. as a technical article. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then and like, like tutorials that sometimes only give you like the very, very rough kind of like, here's how you can do something. And then there's like, no explanation but like just the steps and you're like oh but why did i call that and and how come when i call it with this other parameter it doesn't work like th those are those are definitely places where the content can def can be improved yeah this, this all go to the please do not do this list and now let, let's go you know towards what to actually do so what do you think developers want from a content piece I think the biggest thing that developers want to know is is how it benefits them. Like, how is it useful? 
how can it value, like bring value to their lives or to their work? And how can it make their lives easier? Or how can it make it smoother? And, and if, if you can tell them that, then I, I think it's, it's spot on. Like one of the articles that I wrote for Content Lab recently was for integrating like PlayFab, which is the, the game uh, servers. It's like the like leaderboard systems and matchmaking and, and all of this like complex architectural stuff that you, otherwise you would have to build your, by yourself. And the article itself, it's like a business thing, right? You, you can buy these servers that are pre, like, preset and everything for you. So then you don't have to build it in your business. But the articles themselves are like, oh, here's how you can integrate it. And, and, and we'll demonstrate it for you in like three pages, exactly how quickly you can integrate a, a matchmaking system so you can start building multiplayer servers in real time. But you don't have to build it all, all, all on your own. And these are like really big technical challenges that you don't have to worry about anymore. And so when you can demonstrate that to the developers, then they can, they, they have that say, they can go to their leads and be like, hey, so I know you want us to build like this whole uh, leaderboard system, achievement system and matchmaking system. But like, I can tell you from our development side, it's going to take us like six months to build this and try and get it to test right and then scale it. And it's going to cost us a whole bunch because now we have to have our like data servers and everything. But if we use PlayFab here, that could be really neat because then we don't, we can just buy it. And so that, that was the, that was even kind of like the title too. It was like, like buy versus build. And when, when people see that as a developer, I think they can understand exactly what, what value it can bring them. And so I think at the end of the day, the developers just really want to know, like, what value does it bring for them? Like, how, how can it make their lives easier? Yeah, yeah. And uh, honestly, that's a, that's a great example you gave. I think, you know, pretty, you know, it's spot on on what, what you know, to offer, you know, through this content piece, right? So it's a no BS approach. and. A focused on the actual problem and the workarounds. But what makes a content piece engaging then? Right? So oh, what, yeah. what will make, make it something that developers want to engage with? Is it only, you know, presenting use cases, for example, or the different ways you can do that or how the API, for example, does? I would say when it's engaging, it's... It, how it's organized and how it's communicated. So sometimes it can be like, here's here's the exact chart and here's like how the schema is done for a database or like for here's like how to set up something X, Y, Z. And I guess it really depends on the type of content that you're trying to make. Like if it's an FAQ or like, like a help documentation, like a technical documentation, then there, there's no room, like kind of the storytelling part of it and it's just like, oh, here's here's the API and here's the parameters and here's what it returns. But in a, in real like content where people might be browsing on articles or going through a website and going through blogs, that I, I think it needs to be very like laser focused on a specific demographic or the the audience that you're trying to reach. So one of the things that I, I guess the going back to the the where content marketing can really fall flat is when sometimes companies will create content that's generalized to everyone. It's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to make a content piece that's going to bring in everybody. And I, I think that um, it's one of, the, one of the pitfalls that a lot of people 
get into very quickly where they're like, we can build an app that's going to be great for everyone and everyone's going to use it because it's going to be like 4 billion user base. Wow, that's going to be amazing. And kind of thing happens with content as well, where it's like, we're going to make something that's going to be so cool and we're going to explain our entire like business strategy and, and why our startup matters to everybody. And then everyone's just going to read this and we, we just point everyone to it. And of course, like ideally, that would be amazing. But that just means that everyone just gets a very, very vague message of what it's about. And no one really gets the, the point or the real value for them specifically. And so like when, it's, when a content piece is engaging, I think it, it, they can relate to it very personally, where it's like, oh, here's the best practices for, for test cases or like how to do unit tests or how to integrate continuous integration or deployment into your workflow. But it's not just like, here's how to do it. Like here's how to do Jenkins or, or Jenkins CI or GitHub, GitHub Actions. But it's more like, oh, do you remember the time? Like, like I, I run into this all the time where like things break and and I'd really, I was trying to figure out what's broken in our workflow when we we're trying to do this release production cycle. And I was like, oh, maybe this could be really cool if we could automate it so that we can know exactly when things break. And then the rest of the team gets messaged without me calling them at two in the morning and being like, hey, something's broken. We have to do something about it. Maybe we could automate that process. And that kind of communication, I've, I really do think helps other people and other developers relate to it. And you, we can see that a lot in content lab, like the way that, like, I guess that's one of the biggest values that for, for, author, for us and for like a content lab that, that they bring to two companies is how you communicate that, that the nitty gritty parts as a, a relatable content it does matter. Yeah, and um, really thank you for sharing all these, you know, different examples. I think it really makes it super clear, you know, on what you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. And if I'm being honest, the examples you give on what things not to do sound nightmarish, even from a marketer's perspective. (laughs) (laughs) So let alone for someone, you know, who's um, trying to have his questions answered. But yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with it. Let's talk a bit, you know, format. In your experience, what's the format that most developers prefer? I, I, I'd like to relate this one to like cookbook blogs, if that makes sense. So I, I, I have this kind of just like a hobby. Yeah, I have a hobby of making mug cakes. And I started just doing that on stream all the time. And I'll find recipes and it'll be like, oh, how to make a make a cheesecake on in a mug or how to create like a lasagna in a mug or mug cakes in a mug and, and eggs in a mug. And you go through and, and almost at least like half of these blogs, it'll be like, here's my life story of how like I, I my grandma gave me this mug and, and when I was like five years old and then, and then it led me to loving eggs. And then this is how we got to this recipe of making eggs in a mug with pepper and salt. <laughs> It's just like they have this like whole life story. And then there's like a one page, here's a recipe. And so, and so I'd say like, like the format, um, if, if you follow that format, maybe people will like it. I'm not sure. But for me, uh, and I, I know at least like some of my like friend, like developer friends, it's, it's very much more like, like we, we like getting to the point pretty quickly. We're just like, Hey, tell us like maybe in a quick intro of, 
like why this matters to me because that that helps SEO as well at least for like a lot of written content but it also says like oh like that's exactly why I need this and and then how do I get into it and how do I start getting into the code and so like developer content definitely um having code examples and and real examples matters a lot and and so it's like here's it, it's very simple i think it's like here's the intro here's how to do it here's the nitty like the big chunk of the content and then the conclusion of like what other things should i explore if i have time and what's interesting about this that, that i i can look into without me having to also then like go ahead and and search on google for other other things that are related so knowing sort of like the like what other things I can explore if I want to, I think is is good at the end. But it's really just like intro content and then what's next. Yeah. Yeah, always with the great examples. <laughs> I've said it like a thousand times, but it's it's so spot on that I really have to say I don't have anything uh, more to add to this. I think you pretty narrowed it down. One thing I would also like to say is that we did recently a webinar with Stack Overflow. It was called Developer Communities, How and Where to Engage with Developers. And, you know, since we're talking content, there was a question there that we have a graph for it that was called like what kind of content do you prefer to consume when it comes to learning and um, on the top spot you know with 64% was the long four recorded video for example it was tutorials like the how-tos then following closely at 55% was the long form text uh, articles documentation I think it uh, it makes sense and then it was the interactive the code along part in the third place you know with 51% just just you know to add them to support the points you made cool oh wow yeah this is also available on uh, YouTube you can you know I'll, I'll add the link to the description for everyone who wants to find more because we were talking about you know how to engage with developers and you know part of it was where developers go to seek information and obviously what types of information and what type of content they prefer, you know, to access these. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I wonder if the format's very similar for video, like YouTube content or, or like audio content as well. Like, I, I guess audio content is probably a little bit different just because it's very much like free flowing and <laughs> like, people can't just like do a control F and find what, what they want in or in video as well. But I, I feel like that that still matters. Like I know when I search for YouTube videos, the ones that really engage me are like the ones that give you a, a snippet of what might be in the video later. And so you, you kind of know what to expect. And these are like the cues that that kind of get um, getting ingrained into your brain before you're going into the video. And I guess like, like written content is pretty similar too, where it's like, oh, like the intro is about really like giving you a sneak peek of what this is going to be about and like how it's going to be valuable and drawing people in. That's like the, the first impression. And then you get other people in, you're like, Oh, like, this is really interesting. Like, how can we do more? Yeah. And I think this should be standard, you know, for, for everything, just not just limited to this, you know, when you access something and, or are you seeking, you know, answers or, you know, the title was interesting. I think uh, you should be able in the first paragraph to determine uh, whether this is what you're looking for or not. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that this should apply to everything and kind of brings me to the next question of, you know, whether we need to uh, quote, quote, reinvent the wheel. So, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, the 
aspects of typical, again, in quotes, content marketing can still successfully apply, you know, to developer-focused content? Yeah, typical content marketing. And I think one of the things that that I, I see quite often is like trying to do different formats, not necessarily like like the like how to organize the format, but like how, how to uh, convey some of their content. So I, I see a lot of folks trying like Instagram reels or live streams or um, or like just other kind of platforms. But one of the things that that really developers still look to is like like written content is probably like one of the biggest things. Like that's that's why we go to Stack Overflow all the time for different answers to questions. That's why I browse on Quora for like different answers to different questions just because they're fascinating. And then I go into this whole like rabbit hole of, oh, oh, that question was interesting. And this is something that's completely unrelated, but it still interests me. And I, I don't know what they do with the AI curation for it, but gosh, like going from like, oh, here is the um, the metaphysics of, particles going through a like a like a two-slit experiment thing to then being like oh what was the most interesting thing that happened to you on friday night or like what was the worst food that you've ever eaten in your entire life and people talking about like oh i went to this trip once and then and then you go into like all these other things and so like written content i think is is big and um a lot of folks i see trying to move towards like bring everything into the video content. And that's, I think the audience is different. That's, it's like the folks that are watching video will consume it different. The audience is different. And so you can't just like translate written content into that. And in that same sense, like people use Google and then search for all the things that they need. And so that's like, I think that's still the best way to communicate and and communicate information as effectively and as quickly as possible. And so, yeah, in terms of typical content marketing, that, yeah, definitely. It's like, like written content still matters. Like even if you're making video content, having a blog post with that video embedded into it is still going to make it much, way, much more discoverable, much more searchable. And some people just might not have the time to, to watch and listen to something um, directly about, about an API. They might need to just like look at what the API was and just need to get a little code snippet. And so it's not to say that like video content and stuff isn't valuable because it definitely is. But I, I think content marketing needs to understand that that's, that's a different audience or a different time of when they, when people will engage with that content and how, how they engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. I am a big fan of, you know, a combination of written content and, you know, a video to go along. It's, you know, slightly addressing a different thing or, yeah. you know, saying, presenting the case uh, in a bit of a different way. One, you know, limitation of video is that if the person is presenting a snippet of code that directly addresses your problem, you cannot just copy it from the <laughs> from the image. So yeah. the, here's a bigger, you know, it's like, this is a cute stack overflow, obviously. I, you know, just copy paste and solve your problem and move on. But yeah, yeah I, do, I do see your point. Yeah, and, and video content is great uh, and audio content is great because it makes the brand and, and people that are delivering the content much more personable. Like you, you can relate to those people and their voice and everything much, much more easily. And so the content definitely needs to be curated differently or written differently. 
Mm -hmm, yeah. So what do you think, like, if we can have like a list uh, or a top list of things that you think your marketing team should do to produce content that the developers will love? Like, what would be the highlights? I think it's first and foremost is knowing the audience. So I get, oh man, I keep going back to like the the pitfalls of like, like where does it fall flat? And sometimes one of the things that really falls flat is like, grouping de all developers into one bucket it's like oh like we're gonna target developers and this is it and what I, i think we need to recognize is like developers is a very big large like ocean that you're trying to put in into this bucket because there's like uh, developers of different years of experience there there might be fun ones that are more back-end focused versus front-end focused. There might be folks that haven't done any web development before because they come from like a very like hardware background or they might go into console and, and game development, which might be different from like building out and scaling to millions of users with a back server. And so that, I think understanding your audience um, is, is a really big one. And in that sense, like Content Lab is probably like, I... I I think one of the best best things that companies can do to communicate is to have someone like like Content Lab, where you know, like they they can relate that audience to the content and then send out that communication or the messaging of your brand and what you're trying to get across to those developers really well. Because otherwise, you're, you're trying to market what you're trying to say to too many people at the same time or like to both developers and, and business people at the exact same time. And, and then, at, and then no one gets that message. They're like, Oh, what was the point of this? That was an interesting talk, but like, what, what did I get out of it? And you never want someone to, to finish that content and walk away with that question in their head. It's like, Oh, what did I get out of it? Like they should exactly know like what they got out of it because they'll be like, oh, wow, that was amazing. Like, I, I need to go and try this right now or I need to look more into it as soon as I get home. Yeah, that, that should be like your key point, you know, just to make sure that you answered the question, especially if your title is clickbaity. <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. the, the first <laughs> thing you make sure to do. And yes, understanding the audience should be key. I cannot think of a case of successful marketing, you know, in the history of marketing where a message was for everyone, you know, unsegmented or it, it just won't work, right? It yeah. will not. It would not leave, as you said, everyone, you know, closing it and saying, oh, that's awesome. You know, I've learned this thing from reading this. It yeah, will not work. It? It's like Aristotle or something, I think was like, like know thyself is kind of like the, the big philosophy. But in content and marketing, I, I think it's it's know your customer more than knowing yourself. Like if you know who who is interested in your product or like who you want to sell to and target, then then it, everything else falls into place and it's way more like way clearer, way easier to be like, all right, like this is the kind of things that they're looking for. This is what their requirements are, or these are the kind of things that can really benefit them. And, and these are the, the pain points that they're running into all the time. And if you know those, then like you can develop content for them very easily. But if you don't, and you're just like, oh, we're going to target developers. Or we're going to target everyone that needs Uber rides and, and write one thing for everybody. That that's going to be too too broad. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. 
Rafael, it's been uh, great having you. I really, really enjoyed the, you know, our talk, and I'm sure our listeners, you know, are, you know, will soon be closing their podcast players having learned something. <laughs> and I, I, I do hope we made that because we tried to make clear that this is what we should have been doing. If they want to hear more from you, how can they reach you? Oh, so I actually have a, a link that's going to be working for me. It, it's they, they can find me on Content Lab. So it's going to be contentlab.io slash instafluff, I-N-S-T-A-F-L-U-F-F. Or they can also find me on my Twitch streams. That's twitch.tv slash instafluff or instafluff.tv is my main website. But yeah, otherwise you can probably find some of the articles that I've written if you just Google my name, like uh, Raphael Munn. And so, and so yeah, check, check them out. Maybe it'll, it'll inspire other content developers or maybe even companies to be like, oh, like Content Lab writes really cool content. This is cool. Like We should check them out. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Just to close on a, a positive note, uh, what's one good thing that happened recently and made you feel good? Oh, so I went to this restaurant. There's, there's a place, I, I live in Seattle, by the way. So um, there's a place called Boss Burger here. It's kind of like this, um, like, mom and pop joint and they they make burgers and stuff and so i saw once that they they offered these ice cream cones and so I, I was like you know today i'm feeling like an like an ice cream cone i was expecting it to be like a normal size ice cream cone it's got like you can see like two or three swirls maybe up top i got one it got like like eight or nine different swirls it was it was like like maybe three or four times the size of the cone itself I was like, wow, okay, this is my meal for today. I thought I was just having a little bit of a dessert. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I cannot think of an age that ice cream doesn't make you happy, especially if it's like huge. It's even better. Yeah, it's like the, oh man, comfort foods, all the comfort foods, like like lasagna, ice cream, those are my go-to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. We'll never hear the, you know, the end of it. So thank you very much for all your tips on content and for making me feel hungry. It was great having you. And I want to thank to our listeners. Big thank you uh, for being with us up until season four and, uh, you know, more awesome things to come. Thank you for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. You can listen to all episodes, find free resources and the latest news and join our community at devrelx.com. You can also subscribe to our bite-sized bi-weekly digest or follow us on Twitter at slashdatahq. Thank you very much, Rafael. Thank you for having me. It was so great. It was great. Thank you. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. You can listen to all episodes, find free resources, and the latest news at devrolex.com. You can also subscribe to our bite-sized bi-weekly digest or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ.